great issue for Democrats. Get your base ready to work. But here's the, the thing. You know what? Years. Mike, do you know what the number one and two jobs uh, predicted by the Bureau of Labor Statistics are in terms of growth over the next 20 years? Uh, one is political pundit. No. <laughs> Fake <laughs> news because wind. we all do this for free. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Several pressing items as Congress returns to work in Washington this coming week, including gun control. This is Democrats prepare to take the debate stage again on Thursday. So what will we see next on the issue of guns? What about the trade war? This week we're talking with Indiana lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, including Congressman Andre Carson, who spoke with our Russ McQuaid. It just washes over you every other weekend. We've got another mass shooting somewhere sure, in America. Sure. You know, um, my hope is that the public will put pressure on Mitch McConnell. There are a couple of pieces of legislation, two pieces, in fact, that address this issue of gun violence. One deals with the Charleston loophole. And so Mitch McConnell needs to stop playing to his base and think about the needs of the American people. Do you get the impression now that the atmosphere has changed in Washington where everybody is not running scared of the NRA anymore? Well, I think the NRA is still formidable, powerful, and influential, especially depending on the district which you come from. Uh, a lot of my friends still hunt. A lot of my friends in law enforcement still prairie dog hunt. They try to get me to come every year. Um, so it's still influential. I don't think we can rule it out. I think what has to happen is that the citizens have to speak out against the NRA lobby and come up with alternatives to really push back on their narrative. I am for Second Amendment rights, uh, being a, you know, a law enforcement officer, but I also understand the implication and the responsibility of owning a firearm and what that means. You think that we're still a year away from the serious campaign season, but in 2020 mm. that uh, gun legislation could be like a tent pole that a lot of people are going to like cast votes around? You know, I, I, my hope is that it, it won't take another unfortunate shooting to force us to do the right thing. I hope that there's not radio silence. I mean, you know, we see memorials and we send our heartfelt condolences, but when there's a lull, I think people tend to forget until there's the next shooting, which is unfortunate. I, I hope that folks will have a long memory. Um, as you know, the media cycle moves very quickly and rapidly. My hope is that we can push this legislation through, and if not, reintroduce even stronger legislation uh, next year. Congressman Andre Carson there with our Russ McQuaid. This week, I also had the chance to speak with two Republican members of Congress, Representatives Jim Baird and Jim Banks. Congress coming back to work. There's obviously a lot more talk about the gun debate in the wake of shootings in Dayton, El Paso and elsewhere. Will there be any any meaningful movement on that topic when Congress returns next week? I, I, I hope so. I mean, this is these tragedies uh, have continued to add up. Um, they're emotional and heartbreaking for all of us who, who follow them, especially those, those of us who are parents that don't want to see another situation like this. So there has to be a responsible approach. And what, what I find in Washington is that uh, one party or the other wants to fit uh, these mass shootings into their political narrative that, that, um, that, that, that exposes or, or justifies their piece of legislation. I, I think we can address mass shootings by preventing uh, violent weapons from getting into the hands of those who shouldn't have them to begin with, oftentimes by simply enforcing the laws that we already have. I mean, in, in almost every single one of these situations, there was a breakdown somewhere in the existing law that wasn't enforced. And, and that, that's where I think we have to start and then address some of the mental health 
uh, mental illness issues in this country as well that have continued to build, that haven't been addressed for too long, uh, that we can address those at the same time uh, and, and do a lot more uh, to prevent these, uh, these violent acts from happening again. There's been a lot of talk about mental health and red flag laws. W what about background checks? Is there anything in the way of increased background checks you could support? Well, we, we, ha we do have significant background checks in this country, and that, that hasn't prevented a number of these situations from happening. Coincidentally, Indiana is one of 19 states, I believe, who have a red flag law, and still we, we see reports of Indianapolis being one of the most violent uh, cities in the country. So those red flag laws haven't uh, prevented some of uh, uh, some violent crime from occurring even here in our own state. So I think we have to look be beyond that. Uh, again, look at how we can enforce existing laws. Last year we passed legislation that was streamlined the NICS system, which is the background system, so that all layers of law enforcement can access the system, that it communicates with different layers of, from federal, state, local law enforcement, um, allow that system to work better. Th those, are, those are common sense ways that we can address these situations to prevent more calamities from happening in the future. This week, Congressman Andre Carson told us, quote, my hope is it won't take another unfortunate shooting to force us to do the right thing. What's, what's your response to that? I, I agree with Andre. I mean, my, my hope is that another mass shooting doesn't occur before we do more to prevent them from happening. But I, I, I contend that um, if, we're, if we're responsible about this, we can pass legislation that prevents weapons from getting in the hands of the, of the wrong people to begin with. Are there any moves along those lines that, that you would support? Your, your, uh, our, our prayers and our hearts go out to those individuals impacted by such a tragic event. And certainly, uh, if there are anything that we can do as in the Congress, we certainly would want to have that discussion. What else are you hearing from your constituents over the summer recess? Has there been any pushback over the, the spending levels that, that, that have been approved by this Congress and, and by the president? I, I hear it all the time. And both Republicans and Democrats have, have, have failed the leadership test, uh, leadership test to rein in federal spending. Right before the recess, we, the House passed the largest a uh, funding uh, mechanism in congressional history passed a budget deal that was the biggest budget deal in American history uh, that only exacerbates the growth in the national debt and in, in the deficits that we have currently. You've been hearing from a lot of constituents over the summer recess and from a lot of farmers as well. Obviously a rough year for farmers between the weather earlier this year and the tariffs. What are you hearing from farmers? Are they still supportive of the president's approach on trade? I think that I think farmers in general are still supportive of the president on on the tariffs. I'm not sure that we feel like tariffs are the long-term answer, but we certainly want fair trade and want uh, a market that's a free, fair market. We do not like uh, losing uh, intellectual property, so the negotiation of uh, of, of some of these. Um, uh, trade arrangements is certainly important, and we we would like to have the USMCA brought to the floor so we could vote on that. When I talk to rank and file uh, farmers, family farmers around Northeast Indiana, they, they support this president. Um, they will vote for him again in 2020. But there's uh, concerns about the tariffs, about what they're trade They're anxious about the tariffs. Uh, they, they want to see the tariffs arrive at a place where um, everyone benefits in the end. I think the approach of the administration is the tariffs are a tool to get us to uh, back to a, a, an environment of free trade. But there's not a farmer in my district or a business leader in my district who doesn't understand 
that China declared a trade war on the United States of America for, for 30 years, and no president until this one has done anything about it. I wanted to get your reaction uh, as a congressman and also as a veteran to the, the reports out there about money perhaps being moved from various uh, military funding projects to pay for the ball. Yeah, the we, have, we have a couple of projects, uh, for instance, in the state of Indiana, one at Crane, one at uh, the, the National Guard base in Terre Haute. One is for a shooting range for training. The other is for a railway um, a yard at, at Crane because they, they use a lot of, uh, lot of trains and rail on the base there. Uh, these are projects that are important, but they're minor. And that's not an uncommon practice. I mean, you know, you, you approve appropriations, but it's not uh, uncommon for different, different within agencies for them to move money to the appropriate places. And so we've argued about this business, or we've argued about this wall for so long that we could have had it paid for by now and had it finished. And, uh, and the data would show that where we have a wall, uh, certainly it prevents uh, a lot of um, border crossings and drug crossings uh, that uh, are being impactful on this country. All right. On this same topic, we also caught up Thursday with Indiana Senator Mike Braun. Sad that we do have to divert funds from one area to the other for a need that has been out there for a long time, which is a border that has no order to it. Senator Braun appeared at an event Thursday in Indianapolis with HUD Secretary Ben Carson. Well, this coming Thursday, the candidates for president return to the debate stage. This time, they'll all be on the same stage the same night, including South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who had a lot to say this past week on the issue of climate change and the president's response to Hurricane Dorian. Usually the way we talk about it is save the planet. I'm interested in saving lives. And there are lives in danger every time we see more frequent and more severe storms. I don't know if he felt it necessary to pull out a Sharpie and change the map. I don't know if it was one of his aides believed they had to do that in order to protect his goat. No matter how chart. you cut it, this is an unbelievably sad state of affairs for our country. If our presidency is not in good shape, then our country is not in good shape. And on one level, it's laughable. On another, it is exactly why we've got to do something different. This coming week, we're going to be seeing the Democrats take the debate stage again. What are you expecting to see from, uh, from all of the candidates? Uh, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg still uh, up there as well, along with nine other candidates all on the debate stage uh, on the same night next week. Uh, just when you think it can't get any crazier, you hear the CNN debate on climate change last night where you had uh, Kamala Harris talk about um, eliminating red meat and re and changing the food the, the food pyramid, and uh, Pete, Pete Buttigieg actually saying that if you drink out of straws and eat hamburgers, you're part of the problem. This is emblematic of the left wing um, drift of the of the Democrat Party. And as as the Democrat Party on the debate stage, whether it's uh, the town halls last night on CNN or later this week, as they continue to take these outlandish, radical positions that, that's only going to fuel President Trump's reelection in 2020. All right, up next, Indiana's current governor and former governor, both spending time overseas this past week. We'll take a look at the headlines and talk with our panel. Plus, Mayor Joe Hogsett picks up a key endorsement in the race for mayor. Stick around. We'll be right back after this.
how has the trail been treating you? Because it can be rough. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a lot of work, but, but it's a lot of fun, too, especially right now. Any gaffe that I have made, and I've made gaffes, like every politician I know has, have been not about a substantive issue. Former VP Joe Biden and South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert this past week on CBS, ahead of the next presidential debate this coming Thursday. Let's talk about it now with our panel, 2016 Vice Chair for the Indiana Trump Campaign, Tony Samuel, former Communications Director for the Indiana Senate Democrats, Elise Schrock, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, and former Communications Director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. What do you think we're going to see from Democrats on the debate stage next week, and what will we see in Washington with Congress returning to work this week? I think on the debate stage, it's going to be a much different experience for folks. This is these are the top 10. This is all we're Everybody's get. there at once. Everybody's there at once. Um, I think you're going to get a little bit more into some substantive issues. Obviously, it's not going to be the seven-hour marathon that this week's climate change debate was. Um, but I think you're going to get a little bit more. I think it's still, I've said this multiple times, Joe Biden's race or Joe Biden's debate to lose, I should say. Um, but I think it'll be a much more... Uh, a better environment for folks to really learn about the candidates. Congress, uh, they have to pass a continuing resolution, right? They have to keep funding the government. I hope they take up guns. I hope they take up some important issues, but I just don't know. There'll be a lot happening there. Mike, what are you looking at this well, week? Well, I think when it comes to debate, you're, we've finally gotten rid of the non-competitive wackadoodles, and now we have the competitive wackadoodles. We'll all be on one stage. I mean, what are they going to say? You know, they're going to outlaw this week. I have no idea. If they say they're going to outlaw Mountain Dew, though, I'm ready to go to war. So, What about uh, Jim Banks' comments in our interview earlier about the climate change debate and about some of the positions taken there? Does that further the perception that the party's moving to the left? I think it could, but I also think that you would have had to have had a, a large number of people tune in to a seven-hour climate change debate that happened on CNN. A marathon, CNN. as Jennifer described. Yeah, yeah. A, a marathon. So, and, and same with the debate coming up. I, I know we're getting down to you know just the final crop, I guess you could say, on the stage next week. But I'm still not convinced that people outside of the inner sanctum of party politics are going to be paying attention too closely just yet. And this is going to be a three-hour debate next Thursday night. Still a lengthy debate in its own right. Yeah, you're, about you're snickering. two hours and 45 minutes too long uh, for me. Uh, and, and I think for a lot of viewers, that debate, that marathon that we saw, the seven hours was the uh, least uh, highest rated of the, the three major cable news uh, shows that night. I tuned in for a little bit, I couldn't take too much, but what I did see is what I think we'll see uh, at the debate, and that is more uh, talk about how much these plans are gonna uh, cost, trillion dollars, three trillion dollars, I think, from Elizabeth Warren, 16 trillion dollars from Bernie Sanders, on and on, taking away you know, cars, taking away uh, jobs, taking, raising your taxes, uh, and then they'll, they'll also, at the debate, try to outdo each other attacking uh, President Trump like they always do, but I think they'll also start turning their attention and trying to attack Joe Biden. You know, at least is right in the sense that maybe a lot of people aren't watching, but every time the Democrats say something crazier and they try to outdo each other, that's all going on tape, and it's all going to come back as the primary season. So they can't hide because nobody's watching no. right now. Okay, with all it's due respect, all being Mike, recorded. the president drew on a map with a Sharpie this week, so I really but, don't think we have a whole lot of area but, to compare but crazy. Jennifer, Jennifer, the Democratic <laughs> Party, I'm, you know I'm not a Trump fan, number one. But number two, the, the Democratic Party is setting Trump up for a sure re-election. If you just let him go and make a fool of himself, which he does often, 
But no, you guys find people who are even more foolish. It's, it's just nutty. Now, this time will be the first time we see Biden and Warren go head-to-head on the debate stage. A poll out this week from The Economist and YouGov has Biden ahead of Warren uh, by about five points, with Bernie Sanders in third and Pete Buttigieg tied for fourth with Senator Kamala Harris. Uh, Jennifer said earlier, still perhaps Biden's race, Biden's debate. Uh, to lose. Is that how you see it, Elise? Yeah, it, it is how I see it. I think that uh, Joe Biden remains the, the, the favorite. Um, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those two, three, and four spots move around. I know that, you know, at first, uh, the Pete campaign Had a lot of tried to work early, on awareness but... and then fundraising, which they killed it at fundraising. And now it's field organization. They staffed up immensely. So we'll see what impact that has. All the campaigns in New Hampshire this weekend. Yeah, I, I might just add that it is surprising that Biden is still uh, maintaining a lead. I thought because of all of his blunders, and there's plenty of those, that he would start to falter. That What it shows me is that nobody's getting energized by any of these other candidates. And, and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders kind of split that uh, more experienced Democrat voter that's more progressive. The rest try to out uh, further left the others. And that leaves Biden ahead. But but nobody's really energized. Warren, if anyone, perhaps has gained some of that momentum uh, behind Biden there. All right, meantime, Vice President and former Indiana Governor Mike Pence made news this past week in his trip overseas. He uh, took the president's place on that trip with the president remaining behind due to Dory. And lots of talk about the VP staying at a, at a Trump property. That could even now lead to a congressional probe, according to reports out on Friday. But also a lot of news breaking with the VP there in Europe amidst the ongoing Brexit saga. Meantime, current governor Eric Holcomb in Asia this weekend, part of a trade mission. All of this happening at a time where trade and America's trade partners are front and center in the news. Yes, it's a big issue. Um, international trade is a huge issue right now with all the, all the uh, as we heard the congressman talking about, uh, issues with China. I'm sure Tony has great talking points on the Trump hotel thing, so I'll focus in on that. I think that is just another example of where this administration doesn't know where the line is or when not to cross it. There was no reason for Pence to stay there. There was no reason for the president's staff to tell him to stay there. It just looks bad. And I, my concern is that we're getting used to this as the American people. We're getting used to that blurred line. And how do we come back from is that? Is it going to lead to a congressional probe? Well, it, the Democrats are in charge of the House. They can probe, any, probe away. I mean, they can probe anything they want. It, but the problem is that we're focusing on things like the Sharpie, which is a, it's the meme of the week, right? And we're focusing on Mike Pence. Mike Pence has bigger things to worry about over whether he's being criticized for a hotel stay or not. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner have been trying for a year and a half to knock Mike Pence off the There's ticket. Still a lot of it was big about news that. in Washington yeah. this week. It's been confirmed by most of the major sources. He's gotta, he's gotta get back home and keep himself on the ticket. An interesting article out this week uh, in Indianapolis Monthly previewing Tom Lobianco's book that's coming out about the vice president soon. Uh, we also have to talk about the race for mayor here in Indianapolis. Republican candidate Jim Merritt announcing his plan to fight crime in the Circle City. Part of it includes allowing officers to stop anyone in the area of a recent crime. Uh, similar, some critics say, to a stop and frisk policy. He also talked about his so-called swarm policy. We will also implement targeted and unannounced warrant sweeps to gather and collect wanted criminals within a two-mile radius of any murder that takes place. A lot of reaction to all this in a statement to Fox 59, Mayor Hogsett's campaign said Merritt's policies would, quote, create a culture of fear, in his words, adding that the mayor is more focused on neighborhood beasts 
no, neighborhood-based beat policing. Uh, this week, Mayor Hawk said, at least also picking up a, a key endorsement from the Fraternal Order of Police. Yeah, I, I do think there's a concern with the plan that uh, Senator Merritt has unveiled because it, I do think it would erode the work that's being done to establish relationships in these communities and get to the heart of where these crimes and violent crimes are coming from, suggesting that you go back in time to swarm policing, something that's it's we've been evolving from is like going back to like using the flip phone flip phone of policing. But Tony, as you pointed out on this show uh, quickly here, uh, crime has been an issue. Certainly, it's an issue, and, and whatever's happening right now with the Hawkshead administration, it's not working. So you have to turn to somebody that's putting a, a renewed focus on it. Um, Hawkshead's homicide rates have gone up over the years; they continue to skyrocket. Uh, you have to look at what Merritt's talking about. We'll talk more about it on our podcast. we got to leave it there. Coming up next, it's the first day of the NFL season and the first few days of legalized gambling here in Indiana. We'll be right back. Some applause last weekend as Governor Holcomb placed the first legal sports wager in Indiana. More casinos have come online since, including the Winner's Circle downtown. They're expecting a busy day today for the start of the NFL season. Stick around. Our panel's back with this week's Winners and Losers next. All right, time for this week's Winners and Losers. Tony. Uh, winner for the week, Governor Holcomb, for his focus on the global economy and what it can do for Indiana. He's not just bringing jobs, but he's building relationships. Elise. Losers are the communities at Terre Haute and Crane Naval, uh, Military Base who are losing combined $24 million in military funding to the border wall. Mike. I'll have to agree with Tony. Uh, Governor Holcomb, every time he goes overseas, he comes back with more and more jobs. And the people of Alabama who have survived the hurricane. Oh, boy. Here wow. we go. Jennifer. And my winner and loser is the Sharpie Company, uh, which had a huge opportunity, uh, uh, but didn't take anything uh, to, to go with it on social media amid all the Sharpie storm. Sharpie storm. Everyone else is Sharpie in. Gate. Right? Yes. Yeah. All right. We'll talk more about it on our podcast and other topics, of course. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, we're here hanging out after the show on our podcast. Tony Samuel, Elise Schrock, Mike Murphy, Jennifer Wagner. So much to talk about this week. We were discussing, you had brought up the vice president staying at the Trump property and mentioned Tony may have a different view as Mike did. Tony, your thoughts on all this? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's not a big deal. Um, and it's also another example along with the Sharpie and all these other little things that come up of the other side, the opposition focusing on the little things along with most of the national media blowing things out of proportion because they don't have good plans for the future. Um, so that's my take on it as far as uh, the vice president staying there. You know, we've got a strong history with, with uh, Ireland. We've got, uh, the, 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 he himself has a strong history there. He, I remember him telling the story at an event maybe a year or so ago that he worked at a pub while in college there and he visited that, uh, him and his the folks that were with him had dinner there. Those kinds of things, again, building those relationships, not a bad thing, it's a great thing. Yeah, but that's what I, why I think people were a little surprised that there were some kind of, to be honest, cringy stories that came out. You know, he stayed 200 miles away from where his meetings were, which created a lot of logistical issues for both countries. And then he went in and kind of strongly stood on a, an unpopular side of Brexit when he could have been more diplomatic, I think. Amidst a lot of news with Brexit in, while he was in there. In his host's house, so to speak. So I think, you know, it, it may not seem like a big deal, but there were a lot of 
optic blunders with this whole thing start to finish. Um, we talked about the race for mayor as well here in Indianapolis. Uh, crime a big issue, but the, the, the Republican candidate, Jim Merritt, facing some pushback for uh, proposing what some have called a, a stop and frisk Well, but strategy. let's think about that for a second. First of all, of course the police are going to endorse their boss, the guy who writes their paychecks. Right. First of all, that's kind of and kind of, uh, I mean, they just put money in the budget for a raise, yeah, which yeah, wasn't done. Yeah, yeah but historically, the FOP's yeah. gone both ways. Yeah. Every, they tend every, to be mad at the incumbent if they don't get what they want in yeah, the contract negotiations, so they endorse the opponent. Giving them a lot of what they want. But let's talk, about, let's talk about Merritt's proposal. Okay, Merritt is suggesting, you know, I, you know, with Hogsett's statement about, well, that's just going to put people fear in people's minds. What well, he's only people he wants to be afraid are the people who have warrants for themselves somewhere. Well, yes, I want them to be afraid too. I yeah, want but them when to you're be doing a large swath of whatever the circumference is and you're picking up anyone with a warrant, you're gonna end up crowding our system with low level. I don't think he's talking about picking know. up anyone. Uh, I think he's, talk, he's focused on talking to folks that may have seen something that but, may, you know, but he's also talking about, about community policing, isn't that what we're doing? I think he's talking about arresting people with warrants and they should be arrested. I mean, why should people with warrants not be arrested? I mean, what, what's, where's the policy disconnect there? Yeah, no, I, well, agree I think with, there are I agree different that. warrants that, I mean. It doesn't matter. A warrant is a warrant. And obviously, public safety will continue to be a big topic in this campaign. Uh, Senator Barrett has also uh, discussed the idea of having a deputy mayor in charge of public safety. Mayor Hogsett saying he, he wants to be the one. Uh, in charge without, as he says, a middleman in between. Yeah, and that's been an issue, you know, for several administrations now. Should we have this position? Should we not? And again, you know, all due respect to Senator Merritt, but he's talking on paper and Joe Hogsett's governing in reality. I don't think the people of Indianapolis, whether they live in a community that they feel <coughs> safe in or one that they, you know, would like to see a more a stepped up police presence, I don't think they care whether there's a director of public safety. I think they care whether they're safe or not, which is an issue. I agree with Tony and Mike. That is an issue in this campaign. This is probably not the best way for Senator Merritt to address the issue with more bureaucratic plans and administrative policies and blah, blah, blah. Get out there and talk to people. Stop having press conferences and start actually interacting with the communities you're seeking to help. Well, I, think I, think the point that I think the point that Merritt made during the debate, if anybody was listening, was he has been out there. He's been meeting with the families. I mean, first of all, there's so many crime victims in Indianapolis now, it's difficult to meet with every family who's had somebody murdered or robbed or raped or whatever. But um, he was, he's been meeting with families who've lost sons and daughters to, to murder. Um, and he made that point during the debate, and, and hogs it, frankly, is not. And whether you have a, I agree, I, you know, whether you have a deputy mayor in charge of public safety, the mayor, it doesn't matter as long as it works. But the bottom line is, what Joe Hogs has been doing the last almost four years has not worked. We've had record numbers of murders the last two or three years. We're close to a record this year. I mean, it's time for him to look in the mirror and say, what I'm doing is not working. Yeah, and to, to Mike's point, Merritt is out there consistently day after day. This last press conference, he had members of the community, uh, clergy with him uh, and others, and they're showing their support. They're also showing that, that Mayor Hogsett, who wants to be the one responsible if he wants to be the public safety director, uh, he has to own this. And, um, you know, coming out with plans now after you failed for, for four years, that's not owning it, and he needs to own it. and. That's why there needs to be a change because what he's done hasn't worked. No matter how many, what kind of spin you want to put on it now, and act like you're just now running for the first time. You've been there for four years, and you haven't. You failed. 
the community. Crime will be an issue. Infrastructure will be an issue as well. Uh, and this week we saw the opening of uh, the red line. Your thoughts on how all of that seems to have gone so far I, and the potential political implications. I wasn't here for the opening weekend. I was very sad. Uh, I was up at Cedar Point uh, with the kids, but we're planning on riding it uh, this we're weekend. Riding on the red roller coaster. We're riding on the line, roller coasters, which right? were a very yeah. different experience than the red line, <laughs> but it seemed like everything went off pretty smoothly and, and people are getting used to it. People seem excited about it. And you know what? Get out there. Give it a, give it a try before you either, especially if you're thinking about condemning it, give it a try. I uh, worked two shifts this morning, actually, um, trying to just kind of help people. They have volunteers just helping people navigate, because there are a lot of new writers, right? A lot of uh, the issues in the learning process of implementing such and a learning issues thing. for drivers. I mean, we yeah. saw a yeah, couple days before it opened. a lot of this opened. is like yeah. user um, education. You know, if you, a lot of people, they've only rode on a school bus. So they're thinking everyone gets a seat, it's uniform in line, anyone who's, ridden transit anywhere else, DC, Chicago, know that you're kind of crammed in. This is about moving many people as quickly as possible to the densest part of our city. So kind of getting people comfortable in their bubbles has been interesting to see. But it's, I feel like it's gone really well. Where are the politics of, of is this issue going to, to circle into the, the political realm here in a mayoral election year? I mean, you do have Republicans up there at the celebration event this past week, like Greg Ballard had been pushing for this during his term. Some at the State House had been pushing for mass transit. Or if things don't go well, does it become an issue in the race for mayor, too? Uh, I, I think if things weren't going well, yeah, that's the, then there's always an opportunity there. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with what um, Senator Merritt's been saying about it, um, but it looks like you know everyone wants to give it a chance and, and should. I think it'll be two to three years before you can really hold anybody accountable. Um, you know, if, if, if the sky did not fall this week, people had some problems, you know, with traffic and things like that, but those are minor. I think that you know, two or three years down the road, we'll really know whether it was financially a good idea. Um, I don't know, for example, how many people they project would ride this thing in a year. If you know, will, will it meet the ridership projections? Um, you know, is is it safe? You know, I mean, not just safe to ride, but safe to be there late at night on the on the. How's it going to be in the winter when there's a lot of stops snow? Stops and that. that. Yeah, we just don't know. All remains so to be take seen. That's about the same time that the purple and blue line are going to um, come yeah, into effect yeah. as well. Will you right. be able to eat and drink on it? I don't think you can. You can. That's just have to have a closed here. top uh, <laughs> oh, container. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I see where Tony's going right. there, though. Now I like it. I like it. I'm going to take it up to the French important. market exactly. this weekend so right. I can have a couple don't glasses of wine. Don't brings, like, the super smelly sandwich on the red line. tuna on the red line, y'all. I mean, you go down to Fountain Square, you get a broad reference. My question is, will you be able to use a straw on the red line? Paper. Probably. <laughs> I'm going to come for your straws, Mike, and your hamburgers. I'm not using a straw when there's sudden stops. I That's a fair like. point. What, a, what about that? Will we see more? Obviously, we had the climate change debate this past week. More of those topics you think we'll see in the three-hour debate coming up Thursday with the presidential candidates? I mean, probably. But, you know, if Tony's going to sit over there and, and whine about the fact that I'm focused on Trump's hotel and Sharpies, then, you know, what? all you took out of that was that Pete Buttigieg is coming for your hamburgers and your straws. There was a lot more to that debate. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of cost. There's a, there is a lot of cost, yes. There, okay. so there is. But I think a lot of, we're having the same conversations about different issues based on the priorities of our respective bases. Because we could say that we wouldn't like to see military funding from Indiana go down to the border. But that's a priority for the Republican base, and that's what they're going to spend money on. We asked Congressman Jim Barrett about it. Does that bother him? He Democrats said, no, it doesn't. Democrats are focused on 
trying to find some real solutions to the climate change crisis that we are in, and there will have to be an investment in that. So I think we're speaking to both of our bases, both based on the spending priorities that and we I, have. And I tell you, I think the two biggest issues we should be focusing on are number one, the national debt, which nobody, Republican or Democrat, is talking about. You have kids, I have kids and grandkids, you have kids. We did speak kids? about that nope. issue a no bit with, with Jim Banks and Jim Barrett in the interview. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's nobody's paid attention to the debt. And the other thing, the only person I know that's focusing on this is getting our workforce ready for the next generation, and that's Eric Holcomb with his next level jobs. Nobody else is talking about it. That's Democrats, a great Wait. issue for Democrats. Get your base ready to work. But here's the, the thing, you know what, years. Mike, do you know what the number one and two jobs uh, predicted by the Bureau of Labor Statistics are in terms of growth over the next 20 years? Uh, one is political pundit. No, <laughs> fake news because wind. we all do this for free. One is wind technician, <laughs> one is wind technician and uh, the other is solar yeah. panel installer. I would so also argue that on the front end, Democrats here have pushed for fully funded pre-K for a long time. And when you invest in pre-K, you get a, an you get a benefit from that. Your workforce is more ready. And we've started that conversation so long ago that kids graduating now in Indiana would have a leg up in our workforce if they had started a little bit earlier and had that chance. But there are hundreds of thousands of people who are working. They're working, but they're underemployed. And if they just had a certain certification, whether it's an advanced welding position or, or programming or a wind technician, whatever it is, they would be doing, they would improve their own future and their and their family's future as well and that's what Holcomb is focusing on to uh, to great success. What about the gun debate in Congress as they return? Are we going to see uh, any middle ground found on that issue when, when lawmakers return next week? I'm not sure. I mean you can find me shocked to know that Walmart is moving uh, faster on this than Congress is, I guess. But and I think they're responding to their consumer. They're responding to sales numbers and their consumer base, which I don't think is that different from looking at the American public and who's voting. So I think that's kind of a signal on what they should be doing if they haven't had enough signals to begin with. What about that news this week? We didn't get to talk about that on the on the television program. Walgreens, Walmart, other retailers saying. Well, oh, Walgreens doesn't have. Any any credibility because they still sell cigarettes and anytime a healthcare company sells cigarettes for 30 or 40 percent of their profit I, I don't even listen to them that's so that's number one but I think on the political front uh, McConnell said I think this week that he would bring a some form of gun regulation bill, depending on what the president depending on what prefers. the president says so I think now it's up to the president if the president is as popular as he says he is then um, I think he will, will have a clear uh, clear decision to make and a clear leadership to provide. We'll wait and see. Could you see the president going either direction on uh, this, Tony? I, or what, I what do you think is going to happen? Without getting into the specifics, because I'm not sure how it will turn out, um, what the proposals will look like, but I think something could get done. What uh, we should all be cautious about, concerned about, is the folks on the fringes that will try to blow things up. And, and, and San Francisco calling the NRA a domestic terrorist organization doesn't help. I mean, that's the kind of rhetoric, uh, if, and sometimes it happens for both sides, that, that jeopardizes. Yeah, but I will say the NRA is a hot mess right now. Like, internally, they're a hot Politically, mess right, right now. Politically, they're a hot mm -hmm. mess. But, I mean, I guess 
you know, since I'm dating a gun-toting Republican uh, and have many firearms in our house that are all very secured and I'm always away from the kids, um, the Walmart thing is kind of it's kind of important, right? You free market types, you uh, that's where the free market's going. Walmart didn't make that decision because Congress told them to. They made nobody, that decision to nobody, at least point because no that's what consumers are, wanted. But no Republicans that I know of are suggesting that we order Walmart to sell guns, right? right? It is the free market. I agree with you. But there's a lot of people who are saying, um, you know, we should tell people they cannot have guns. There was, it was, it was funny, there, the, the uh, reporter went out and talked to several of the uh, Democratic candidates who are advocating for banning assault weapons. And they asked 10 of them to define an assault weapon. Not a single person could define an assault weapon. They don't even know what they're talking about, but they're all for banning it. So it's, you know, I think that the gun issue is much like the uh, immigration issue. Nobody wants to solve it because both sides raise money off it. And there's a lot of discussion points to that's be had around Mike the Sick for our that's, that's <laughs> motivate voters. Yeah, that's, Everybody's just trying to raise money off of here. it. We yeah. can't do anything. At the end, Mike Murphy. That's true. <laughs> Final thoughts uh, from anyone else to, to put us on a different note before we go. Anything else that stood out this past week? We've kind of covered our bases. Here, I don't I have any happy thoughts to end on. Mike just dashed my dreams and hopes. It's football season. You can, you can bet on the Colts or bet against Notre the Dame's Colts. back. Notre Dame's back. back they too. won. Barely, but they won. We'll leave so. it on that note. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you again <laughs> next week.